Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to The Checkout. It's a podcast, which I hope you subscribe to already. Produced at WBGO Studios, and all of our shows are online at checkoutjazz.org. I'm Simon Rentner. Well, we're going to go a little bit off of the jazz beaten path today to feature an artist. He goes by the name Mind Design, spelled M-N-D-S-G-N. And his seductive beats offer some interesting revelations about how our culture absorbs and uses jazz in all kinds of music today. Mind Design is by no means a jazz artist, however, his compositions reflect his deep passion for it as he's sampled from many classic recordings over the years. However, on Mind Design's latest recording, called Rare Pleasure, he is stepping out from behind the decks to lead a band many of whom are jazz-trained instrumentalists. In our conversation together, we get into what brought him into music and what led him to the jazz section of his local record store, where he discovered fusion joints from the early 70s, from Chick Corea to Les McCann to Hubert Laws. We discuss that it's this period, this very precious period of jazz from the early 70s to the mid 80s that is considered a golden age for many in the hip-hop and electronic music scene. It's also a period often misunderstood. Stick with us on this eclectic edition of The Checkout. Thanks for checking in. We're going to be doing something a little different today, introducing you to an artist that isn't really well known in jazz circles, maybe he should be, but his love for jazz and hip hop runs deep, is steeped in many of his compositions. His name is Mind Design. I think you are the first artist I've ever featured on LA Stone's Throw label. Hey Ringo, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So when I put on this, this record, Rare Pleasure, it, it evokes all kinds of feelings for me. And my immediate reaction was, man, you must have been listening to a lot of George Duke and Herbie Hancock growing up in South Jersey near Philadelphia. Is that true? Mm, I think, honestly, I probably got into those guys a little bit later. I think when I was still living in Jersey, I was more like hip hop based. With your Just siblings, having- right? Yeah, just having grown up listening to a lot of um, R&B and hip hop and then eventually getting more into the producers and like, you know, trying to find out who was making which beats and then, you know, figuring out that a lot of these producers were sampling a lot of like jazz from the 70s and 80s and stuff. I think as I as I got more into playing, my ears started to develop a little bit more where, you know, I wasn't necessarily like just trying to find something to sample. It was like I was having a deeper understanding and appreciation of just harmony 
and and melody i think having moved out to la musicians actually like helped me a lot like just in terms of uh having a deeper understanding of the music There's this band out here called The Catalyst that's all just all uh, amazing, just a huge ensemble of amazing musicians. And you're mostly self-taught as a multi-instrumentalist, right? For the most part, yeah. I never really, um, yeah, I never really took like lessons or anything. It's all just through making beats and yeah, making beats was the was the portal in terms of your vibe your style obviously it's a very important thing in terms of your identity i feel like there's a beats per minute range or sweet spot for you that has just informed all of your compositions over the years. A little bit slower than mid-tempo, dragging behind the beat. What is that vibe? And when did you know that was your rhythmic sweet spot? Mm, man, I guess maybe that, that it's more of a reflection of my personality. I like to take my time with things just in general. And that's why you moved to West Coast instead of East. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and it's funny because I'm actually starting to feel the other way around because I still have family in, in New Jersey where I grew up and it's so much slower out there the, the area that I'm talking about is like South Jersey the other side of the river from Philly I dig that energy everything can feel so uh, cutthroat in the city just constantly being around um, people who are you know everyone's on their grind everyone's trying to establish themselves and sometimes you can kind of get lost in that Let's listen to their most popular song on your new album. It might be your most beautiful too. It's a sound that we all need to listen to right now in these uh, resurging pandemic times. Hope you're doing better.
just enough I hope the garden is lush Right where you stand feels like this record where pleasure is a kind of major step in a different direction for you is that accurate yeah i guess that's something that i kind of subconsciously strive to do from record to record just try to expand as much as i can and so rare pleasure is a variation on the same theme four times the last being with some brazilian spice is that you coming to realization is like i don't have as much flexibility when i'm just making a beat i now that i have a band i can do this one song like four different ways and i don't even know what the best way is it's like thinking of the band as like this hyper intelligent plug-in or like vst once the music is is written then at that point it's just a matter of communicating or trying to get uh, these musicians to to see what you're seeing then it's like it's a free-for-all you know and doing those like rare pleasure uh recurring motifs that are on the record was pretty much that man it's like all right we, we do a slow one let's try to do a medium tempo one let's try to do a fast one I also feel like you you like to play with your audience a little bit with some misdirection on some of your tracks. 
uh, for instance, on slow dance, you'll have it like fade out and then it'll come back in, you know, with some harp and flute. You're like, is the song over? No, it's not. It's all about the listening experience. I think with, uh, with albums, it's, it's so good to have moments like that. Just like when you're watching a good film, it's like you, you think, you think you, you're like, you're the one that's uh, in charge of your thoughts, but then you, you realize like, oh, like I've been led to believe. And then there's this like, you know, something that you least expected. Take it all. Take it all. You're a subdued, low-key guy, but kind of funny too. Your tune "Mask" is pretty hilarious. So, <laughs> yeah, that one I actually wrote way before the pandemic. Like during the lockdown, I was like, "Man, I really hope this comes out at the right time," because people got to be wearing their masks, and I don't want people thinking I'm like, "Nah, don't wear." You know, it's like if you listen to the song, you'll you'll know what I'm. You know what the the subject matter really is, but you know. It's funny, just like with timing, and it did actually drop when the mandate was lifted in LA, and I was like, "Well, that's that's kind of crazy how that happened." The mandate went back up since then, so I'm like, "Oh crap, mask back on!" Like, <laughs> gotta put out the remix or something. I think we all really know what that song's about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> design ringo with two g's that's pretty dope i can't do your parents there's <laughs> like i'm just gonna add another g to the like what yeah i guess my pops was like nah we can't rock with the one we gotta <laughs> my man's a double g 
We gotta make it proper. I would like to take our listeners into a deep dive into your sort of jazz leanings. I'm the jazz head, yet I don't know any of the records you're playing from, which just tells me something about the kind of crate digging or the pieces of music that you're peeping. So let's just begin chronologically here, beginning with Fickle Funk by Chick Corea, 1978, Secret Agent. And just feel free to like sprinkle in whatever you want to say about these records and why you decided to sample them in some of your work. such a good record there's also a really crazy interlude on there this is when i was still living in jersey when i made that i think i was just going to this like local record store in jersey and coming up on um, a lot of jazz records a lot of return to forever and yeah i was just digging man just trying to dig for records seeing what i like seeing what i didn't like All right, so what about Hubert Law's Land of Passion, 1979? In the land of passion. Uh, I mean, what about it? It's, just, it's like a dope record. <laughs> That's, in the Land of Passion is a classic. Um, I don't know, that just hits, that hits the right spot. I think that, what was that, like late 70s, like 78 or something? Yeah, 79. That turn of the century is always like... You mean the turn of the decade? Turn of the decade, turn of the decade. (laughs) Yeah, every hundred years, man. It's crazy. (laughs) No, uh, just before the 80s hit, like, where think just the culmination of uh, technology and where people were at with their musicianship was really, it was getting so crazy. So in 2013, you sort of go a little off the rails in terms of this sweet era of early 70s to mid 80s samples, where you you actually go classic jazz with the Ahmed Jamal Trio, Moonlight in Vermont, which is just a magical tune, which you sampled on hiking. You don't really sample stuff from more of that classic jazz sounding outfits. That's true. Um, Is there any reason by that, or it's just not where your sensibility lies? I don't know. Um, that's a good question. I don't think it's something that I consciously like. I'm like, oh, I'm not sampling that type of shit. Um, I think if the if the music hits, the music hits, you know, regardless of what, what time or era it's from. I think I just come across that, that record, and I was like, that's a loop right there.
what about Les McCann? Sometimes I cry from oh, Layers, man. 1974. I mean, just as a digger, like those drums, the way they come in, which probably might even have been like a subconscious inspiration for that, like uh, for one of those rare pleasures. I think the one that you were, you were talking about, like where it comes in, which is the drums. Just... Yeah. I feel like that was like low key and owed to to that Les McCann track. I definitely sampled that on uh, Yon's end too. That's just a cold tune, man. Born in 1988, uh, so that makes you 33, I think. And so, obviously, this golden era of jazz, if you want to call it that, was not during your upbringing. But it is, like you said, it seems to be like a go-to period for many hip hop producers, especially. What is it that you think makes this era so appealing to sample from? I think. A lot of it, for me personally, might have to do with the technology, since a lot of these artists and bands embracing synthesizers and trying to incorporate that in a savvy way, and also like digital recording in the early '80s becoming uh, more and more common. You were hearing the way things were like being mixed, and it was just sounded so good in that era. So like. As a as a beat maker, it's so fun to to sample from that era just for the sonic quality because of the way things were recorded. Um, but also like just the music itself too, uh, it was really reaching. They just kept pushing the boundaries. So I think the musicality was just always like was hidden in that era. It goes on if you keep digging like you know, mid late '80s early 90s like it just if you find the gold from any era you can you can tell people were always trying to um push the boundary and try to create something new well the irony of it in the jazz world a little bit is that it's kind of marginalized in the intelligentsia community uh, mm -hmm. i don't know if it's because it sort of is a, the precursor to the smooth jazz thing the rebelling against the technology, the synthesizers, you know, from the for the classic jazz point of view. But it's just kind of interesting how this era was embraced by the hip hop community and artists like you and then shunned by other musical communities. It's just interesting how that all works out. Oh, yeah. Even with uh, a lot of Brazilian music, you know, like you think about somebody like Arthur Verakai, who huge, right? He's like embraced now more than he ever was when he was like, a lot younger so what is going on with the arthur verakai love right now can you please explain that to me it's kind of bonkers yeah i mean it just goes to show you know like music will find a way it will find a way um or like 
like uh, Pharaoh, that Pharaoh Sanders song, Love Will Find a Way. And, and I think at one point, you know, he made this music and he, you know, his heart was in it. And even though people at the time in his own country maybe didn't necessarily embrace what he was doing, like it, it was bound to be embraced by someone some in, at some time. same goes for music being made now you know there's so much being made right now that you know people might not really uh understand fully until like who knows when who, just... who's like that today for you who isn't getting the love that they deserve mm, there's a lot of cats uh I mean, one John person... Bapp is one. I know you. I know you appreciate John Bapp, bro. But but people yeah. don't understand him, right? I don't know how people really feel about. I just know that me and and the homies, we we stand, we stand John Bapp. That <laughs> um, we know. Yeah, if you know, you know. I mean, I I feel like in his case, he like he's just got so much more music to put out. Um, but even the stuff that he has put out, like definitely puts him in that category of like people it's it's too uh people aren't really listening because if they were like you know this guy we would really like um elevate him right yeah yeah absolutely take us to your the first tune that pops in your mind john bat that people need to hear It <laughs> that's not fair because he's he's played me so much uh, unreleased stuff. Um, but aside from that stuff, uh, something that he has released, "Don't Go Into the Dark So Quick." Then don't go into the dark so whole yesterday's homily like i'm just saying the whole album like because he really he really like creates a whole experience and all of it's very intentional
aside from John Bapp, um, man, uh, DJ Harrison from Richmond, Virginia, I feel like it's just a really prolific cat who's just always, always in the cut. Like, just, you know. That's Butcher Brown, right? Yeah, he's, he's in Butcher Brown. Um, amazing multi-instrumentalist. Um, Swarvy too, man. I feel like he doesn't he doesn't get enough flowers. He's just so multifaceted. Great musician. Uh, has a great uh, just has an amazing ear for whatever, like he's sampling or mixing or playing. This cat's crazy. too if you're gonna if you're gonna mention john bapp i feel like you know anna wise is also super uh super in her bag i don't know there's so many cats man um yeah. I, I definitely maybe i'm just biased because uh, <laughs> these are all my friends but and all the people on your record <laughs> <laughs> i know yeah it's it's incredible but yeah i I really believe in these people and I think that they, they are in that category of like, you know, might not. I hope that they get their flowers in their lifetime though. Like, I, you know, I hope I'm wrong about that. To me, I like to um, wrap this interview up, uh, giving back a quote that you said, which I think is just beautiful. We are beings living this human life that's only going to happen once and only once, every moment infused with a magical impermanence, a rarity, which is a kind of a jazz sensibility, really. It's like embracing the moment. It's being present with the music that you're associated with. So I wanted to ask you is there a recent unexpected musical moment for you of discovery that has helped you either explore your own human condition or helped you become more authentic i'm more inclined to say that it's every moment that i think of life and music as one and the same whether it's just like these moments that i spend with uh, family or friends and my partner that those are like musical moments or I take them in as, as music because it's filled with emotion it sits somewhere in time within a certain rhythm <clears throat> of change and things going on and like if that's not music then I don't know
We just heard Colors of the Sunset by Mind Design, aka Ringo and Chetta from his new recording on Stone's Throw record label, Rare Pleasure. If you did get a chance to give us a review, we would be super appreciative for that. And also check out our other podcasts, Sports Jam with Doug Doyle and our latest jazz podcast, Jazz United with Nate Chinen and Greg Bryant. The Checkout is a production of WBGO Studios. I'm Simon Rettner. Thanks for checking us out.